Previously, on the Gilded Age, George is innocent. It turns out that this document that Dixon had against him regarding the train accident and bad parts, that was totally taken out of context by George's own stenographer, Ainsley. Crazy. Also, Marion and Rakes are heating up. It looks like they might be eloping. And, unfortunately, Peggy is no longer downstairs, as some drama with Armstrong involving her lost child made her walk away to avoid any controversy. So, I'm sure we'll see all of this and a whole lot more this week on the finale of The Gilded Age on the Lords of Grantham podcast. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. And they say yeah. And... We're back again with the finale of the Gilded Age. What's going on, Corey? Uh, nothing much, Dave. What's going on with you, man? You ready to talk about the Gilded Age, the season finale? Oh, I'm ready. I was born ready. This is this is thrilling. <laughs> yeah, man. It is a it's a jam packed hour of TV, and I mean, we'll cut to the chase shortly. But you know, beyond the Gilded Age this week, you know, in the, the world of the Downton Crown and Bridgerton, Bridgerton season two is launching this week to uh, positive reviews. That's good. All, uh, all praise be to Bridgerton, but we're not going to talk about it for a while. Yeah, we'll get there, unless the fans want us to talk about talk about it sooner, but we'll get there eventually. Um, saw some stuff about the Queen's health not doing too hot, but, you know, she's still hanging in there. She's still, you know, kicking. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's the crown news for you. Uh, and then Julian, following the airing of this finale, gave several interviews, and in one of them, uh, I think for Deadline, he again alluded to tying it into uh, Downton Abbey, the Gilded Age, uh, something with uh, you know Elizabeth McGovern's family, the the Crawleys, right? The Crawleys are the ones are Robert. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the, I, I mean, we watched this, this show for a season oh, and a half. Oh man, this this should this should uh, it's it's Giamatti. What's his name? The maiden name. Whatever it is, uh, let's not waste much time on it. It'll come to I us. I swear oh, to you, listeners, we, we are experts on down. It's just not coming to us. Uh, yeah, they're like, no wonder they didn't get the official podcast. Uh, yeah, they can't yeah. remember the Levinson name. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, we'll see. Yeah, next season. I mean, it, I don't think that's really a spoiler because there's just people who pop up all the time on the Gilded Age week to week, be they real or fictional. They, you know, Julian likes to keep a revolving door uh, open. Yeah, who would have yeah. thought that it's this? It definitely, you know, we're in WrestleMania season right now, and for those unaware, the WWE does this thing of involving celebrities. So this year, uh, from Jackass Johnny Knoxville and uh, YouTuber Logan Paul, I feel like d- the Gilded Age is very much like this week featuring everyone's favorite, the Russells, as well as real life celebrities. T. Thomas Fortune and Thomas Edison. <laughs> Played by your favorite much... Broadway actor. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, I, you know, it's good It's good uh, soap opera fodder, having some sort of real-life stuff, as we've talked about before, like Clara Barton and everybody asked her who we deal with this week. So, yeah, want to jump into this episode? Let the tournament begin, as, a, as is the name of this episode. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Where do we even Where start? Should... There's so many different pathways in this episode of, of meaty stuff for the most part. I feel like the lowest hanging fruit is probably one of the best things to talk about, so I don't want to do that. 
You don't want to talk right about the gay. Well, let's just talk about George. What's he got going on in this episode? Not much. He's just kind of chilling. Yeah, he I mean, he, he's checking on some loans. Uh, there's one that he could approve for. Uh, was it Mr. Kuiper? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see him strong arming him uh, into attending the the ball that his, uh, his wife is uh, throwing together. You know, for the kids, the quadrilles that we've been hearing about. Uh, and he will not approve the loan for this guy unless he shows up with his wife. And it's very important that his wife is there. Uh, and, you know, just yet again, another example of George showing that he wants to get his way and he'll do it through money. And uh, this guy, he eventually shows up. And that is that. <laughs> that is George's well, he, plot. He says, he's like, You're, you are not a gentleman. And he's like, well, that's not what we're here to discuss, is it? Yeah. Making no bones about what uh, George is doing as being wrong. Uh, what are you going to do? You know? Not much, <laughs> unfortunately. I, I, it felt like this was like in there for padding. Like, do we need another person attending this ball? It seems like everyone got an invite already. I feel like at this moment in the episode, though, there was a lot of questions of who would show up. Okay. And this was George's flex to be like, this is, now y'all are showing up. Right, he's contributing to this. Or you don't get my money. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny because I don't think we'd seen Kuiper earlier in the season, <laughs> uh, or not and, heard. And much I did him. Google to see if he was real, and I don't believe he is. Okay, so he's just a guy. I that said this George would Fleece. imagine if. Yes, exactly. Um, well, it's it, it, the best part is the line where he's like, George's like, look, if you don't do this, I might have to tell all these other people that you're not good to work with, and 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 you won't be able to get a loan from anybody, and that wouldn't be good. And the guy Kuiper says. Is that legal? And George says, well, you know, like, I mean, let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kuiper's like, all right, fine, 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 fine. Well, why don't we just kind of bulldoze through the whole Bertha Quadro plotline? Because in a lot of ways, it's the least exciting in, in that, like, it follows through on what's been building, you know, all season. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and, and so it, and it does have ramifications, I think, you know, going forward. These are huge ramifications. So. As we know, Bertha has been very invested in her daughter, uh, you know, learning how to do these quadrilles with uh, Carrie uh, Astor. Uh, they're close mm-hmm. friends, and they're going to hold that bar, a ball, you know, stuff they didn't really even ask for, but Bertha saw an opportunity here to try and get them to, you know, have a big function. And they they hit a bit of a snag on the way to, to the ball, Dave, right? Yeah, so Carrie and, and we we've uh, I believe they they laid the groundwork of this last week where they know that Mrs. Astor is not going to want to come to this party. She mm-hmm. and and we saw this kind of from the hubbub last week of Bertha showing up at their house and Mr. Hefty having to basically run her through the entire house so that no one would see that she was there. Mhm. So we know that Bertha's not in, regardless of what Ward McAllister likes about her. It, and it's reiterated at the near the beginning of the episode where she goes to visit uh, uh, Miss Astor, but uh, her uh, I don't know what to call him, her Mister Bannister, Mister Hefty, Church. yeah, Mister Hefty, <laughs> Hefty, 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 like the bags. He doesn't look that hefty, but uh, he's he looks tall. Um, he says uh, she is not home and won't entertain anyone. And as mm-hmm. he says that, she sees someone literally walk through her door. <laughs> That's true. So well, she this is, is after we see that that uh, 
not only can Mrs. If Mrs. Astor doesn't come, Carrie's not going to be allowed to dance. Right? That happens before this. I whole don't think thing. that happens before. I think that's after because since she's not entertained by Miss oh, Astor, yes, 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 she correct, disapproves correct. of her uh, having Carrie there at the thing because, okay, if your mom isn't going to see me to get approval of, of you showing up there, then can't happen. Sorry. Mm hmm. And we see that Larry and George are kind of like, why can't she just come? What's the problem? They did all this work. And Bertha's like, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. It's the principle. My way. It's going to work. Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, we see Carrie having it out with uh, Miss Astor. And this is really, you know, we haven't really seen too much of Miss Astor. People have talked about her uh, a mm-hmm. lot. We've seen, you know, some small scenes with her, but we haven't really got to know her, which I think is, you know, partially because she's a real figure. How much can we really have her engage with these plots? Uh, this plot, I guess. But apparently a lot. <laughs> but apparently a lot. And, um, yeah, she comes away through in a big way here where she is very much not going to let her daughter <laughs> be part of that dance. She, she doesn't want anything to do with it because she understands what's going on here. She sees the machinations. This is how uh, Bertha gets away in, pretty much. Yeah, and I don't think it's that she she's trying to deny her daughter. She just doesn't want to go herself. Exactly. Because and it's not that she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want that press that she was there. She doesn't want to ingratiate herself to to Bertha. Correct. Exactly. And that is that's the that's the main reason why she does. Of course, she wants her daughter to go. I mean, and, and we mm-hmm. see that Bertha likes Carrie as well in a scene where she's like, "I I, I like you. You're cool. You know, your mom." Yeah. Hmm. And, and, you know, it seems like it's going to go that way until Carrie puts her foot down, doesn't leave her room. Miss uh, mm-hmm. Astor asks if she's going to be able to come attend something with her later. She's already in bed. So, you know, she's shunning her, and it's working. Yeah, two can play that game. And yeah, then I, K- Mrs. Astor tries to take the easy way out, mm-hmm. and she drops in on Bertha the di- the morning of the ball when no one's around mm-hmm. and just sort of asks for forgiveness. Yeah. And said, what do I have to do to get my daughter to, to come to your, or to, to get invited this? She's really heartbroken about this. Yeah. I mean, she, she pretty much like apologizes and Bertha's like, you're just going to have to show up tonight. That's how you say, you know, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I like, even if you didn't mean to snub me, snub me, you snub me. And I took note and you're going to show up tonight <laughs> if you want to make this right. And she said, not only are you going to show up, you're gonna make a, you're gonna make sure every all these other parents that are on your level know that you mm-hmm. you're gonna be here, and you're gonna call in some favors with the Van Rynes across the street because I'm tired of trying to have this porch feud going on. Yeah, I, I thought she was actually kind of getting aggressive there when she asked to have the Van Rynes involved. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You should be just be grateful that you got Miss Astor showing up to ask for the Van Rynes to show up. And we haven't really seen much of that bothering Bertha throughout the season. I mean, Marion's been over and stuff, but. They haven't seen any kind of antagonism between her and Agnes at all, because I mean, I guess Agnes, she, she's like a borderline shut-in on the show. We, well, we there's really no see overt, out. but we see the whole thing with the dog. We see mm. the thing with the letter, and you know, setting it on fire when when Agnes hears from Bertha. There, there's just a sort of this is not how Agnes operates kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean that that pretty much uh, tees up the ball in there. You know, we get scenes of them all dressing up. Uh, Gladys lets uh, Bertha know how happy she is to hear that Carrie will be attending. Uh, mm-hmm. 
really Gladys is in the background for a lot of this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all things considered. She's, she's not doing too much. Carrie does more than her. <laughs> um, I guess she's done the complaining already. Um, she has a few moments, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially at the ball. Um, is there anything else before the ball with them? Regarding the ball itself, I don't think so. I mean, Agnes gets the note to to join the ball. It is curious about it, and Agnes, you know, cracks is a, is a march into hell. Uh, you can witness my defeat. And it's good that they, you know, this shows the power that Aster has, where Agnes can't even, you know, refute the invitation. She has to go. Yeah, it's actually Aster who says you can witness my defeat to her, uh, to her daughter. Um, but I mean, we can just skip around a few things, but they, you know, they do show up and everything goes swimmingly. This is actually some of the best looking stuff of the show yet, where we see the camera kind of chase the crowd as they go up the stairs, Mm -hmm. uh, show them doing some of their choreography with the quadrilles. They're, they're, you know, spinning on their heads again, uh, kicking their legs in the air. The mm-hmm. B-boy stances every which way. There's as cardboard boxes on the floor. <laughs> Only the finest Amazon boxes on the floor for the them. The boom box is a choice, on. though. That was a choice. I didn't expect to see that, uh, considering that was not around back then. But, yeah, we, we see Gladys is out there tearing up the rug, and Oscar asks if she's uh, down to dance after she's done her performance. And she's like, I got to change. And he, he's saying, just just get on the dance floor with me. Let's, let's dance. And she's like, no, no, freak. I'm going to go. I'm going to go change. She she just says she basically says, I'm finally an adult who can make some decisions of my own now. And I'm going to tell you to wait. Exactly. Nice little moment for her. And as soon as she shows back up, Oscar's got her arm. Yeah. And it seems like there's no um, there's no no one's raising an eyebrow at this, which I I think John Adams is raising an an, an eyebrow or two. Yeah, him. But (laughs) he's like, can I get in there? I, I want some of this. But when you see it, it literally shows Oscar walking arm in arm with with uh, Gladys mm-hmm. and then a shot of Bertha and George Russell. And they're like laughing and they yeah. George gives her a little kiss. It's in what world is, is Bertha like, oh, no, this is totally cool. I don't she know. turned down that Archie Baldwin guy who's probably a better prospect than Oscar. Van well, Ryan. not financially, at least. Or respectfully, okay. he doesn't have the respect. That that's the difference. His name uh, is. Yeah, respects. I guess so. I guess you're right. Um, I, I like this idea of a love triangle though, where there's two there's two men, and neither of them really want Gladys. They only just you know make one jealous and the other one for her money. <laughs> but they're still falling for each other because the next morning, you know, this ball goes on all night. We see. Oh yeah. Oscar gets home in the morning, and he's like. I'm going to work this out and I'm still going to get you John Adams. And then they, they smooch and then they go to bed and that's Oscar season right there. Yeah. Not everything gets resolved this week. No, it's funny. I feel like, you know, Oscar has moved like two steps forward, one step back throughout the whole season in terms of uh, cornering Gladys. So he's made very minimal progress, but you know, it's definitely teed up to move somewhere next year. Hopefully they're, they're definitely on the same page for the first time. It feels like. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's not for nothing though. I feel like the this was Gladys's sort of coming out party, and then I think she'll be much more of a player next season. Yeah, instead of just a whiny twenty year old or twenty one year old. And I'd say Bertha's very pleased with how everything goes. George is happy, and that's pretty much the Russell season though. There, this is almost like 
kind of a complete arc for them where they're finally kind of part of society that they've been welcomed welcomed in i'm sure there's gonna be some growing pains next season because there is an exchange between aster and bertha at the party uh, you know where like bertha says we could be great friends we, we could you know become t- you know the mega powers essentially <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you could be my macho man to my hulk hogan and well, that's you think that that aster is the macho man to bertha's hulk hogan oh and maybe the other way around i think it's the other way around uh but I'm curious to see how that partnership will, will play out next year. The, the, the mega powers, they may explode, but we'll, we'll see. And I like that Aster says, like, what makes you say that? And she goes, mm-hmm. oh, we have a lot more in common than you think. <laughs> We're both the richest people in this room. <laughs> Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Also, there's a bit about Larry talking about architecture. And oh, yeah. We'll talk a little more Larry in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he does say to his dad, you know, Marion's the reason why I pursued architecture, and I can't wait to like make over this city and be part of its change. And then George squeezes his leg and says, "At a boy." Okay, okay, boy, that'll that, do, pig. That's my boy. <laughs> uh, just be quiet now. <laughs> um. So there's that. I feel like the Peggy subplot is relatively short but beefy. It takes a turn. <laughs> it takes a hell of a turn. Yeah, so we see that Peggy is helping uh, Marion with what she's doing with Mr. Rakes. Mm-hmm. And her mother sees intercepts a letter in her father's jacket. Starts crying. Now, this is this is a Julianism at its finest. This is a misdirect for the ages. Mm-hmm. Because we're thinking, you know, this guy's been such a hard-nosed patriarch who wants things his way. And now we might see some cracks in the armor. Maybe he's got a mistress or something. Something's Love up because the mother is not happy. And we see uh, Peggy going home. She's moving home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her mother shows her the letter. And, you know, as far as we're aware, you know, she was still looking for the midwife. It seems that she may have been found or, or or at least there's some important information in this letter i right, i mean dave did you catch that was listeners are probably shaking their head right now you, you should know this it, i mean i feel like whatever this this pre-scene is builds up to the fact that that baby's not dead Mm-mm. it's walking it's talking it's he's it could be a toddler it, at this could point be, could be a she could be i don't know what gender the baby is it's an it yeah the, the baby has the voice of Bruce Willis, <laughs> and they're like, "Look who's talking now! Look at this baby." Maybe it's maybe it's Alec Baldwin. Maybe it's the boss baby. <laughs> that would be something. Um, but yeah, the baby is alive. It didn't die. And why did they think the baby died? Because the father lied, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Scott. Well, the the fa- the grandfather lied. The grandfather lied. Yes. Whatever this uh, uh, Finn or whatever the gentleman's name is that she was in love with, it seems like he's. Mm-hmm been a victim of this too yeah which horrible i i, I want to know the mechanics of this so you know she had the baby did the father just swoop in and say tell her that the baby's dead uh, you know find it somewhere else like how fast was he like they were well aware that she was having this baby and he was there and just that's what my i think i mean i'm sure we'll unpack this in, in great Absolutely. detail next season but it seems like this is a real uh dowager countess kind of thing. I mean, we literally see a Downton Abbey subplot where Edith goes away to have a baby in secret and then they ship it away and give it adopted mm-hmm. to avoid any controversy. 
And I think this is another example of Julian trying to show that um, the the African American elite mm-hmm. are just as petty as the white elite. Absolutely. So that money, money, money makes people bad. <laughs> or do bad power things. corrupts. Um, and then, uh, I mean, their relationship was already strained. This feels like it's going to be a fracture. Like, I don't know how you win your daughter back after you hit a child from her for several years or at least some extended period of time, at least now. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you know, we know she had left and then went back to find the midwife. Uh, so yeah, Mr. Scott, you done messed up, bro. <laughs> and there's a great, this scene is great because he gets home. He's like, I'm back baby. And my daughter's home. I've won. I've won this one. And then the mother's like, we saw, we know. Mm -hmm. And they just berate him. And he tries to puff his chest like the, like the king that he is. And he's like, Hey, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not helping you at all. And they're like, we don't care. We're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I went for this because part of me thought that Peggy would be like, I'm packing my bag. I'm going to see Agnes. I'm going to go right back to work for them. And then I'll Mm -hmm. handle this on my own. Or I'm going to go see Mr. Rakes. But thank God it was not that. We did get a moment, though, at least of Agnes inquiring about, you know, how Peggy's doing and what, what's going on with her. Good Oscar moment where he just says, like, say you're sad. Yeah, just admit it. And then you she says, like I'm sad. It's great. Great <laughs> There was Agnes. another good Oscar moment, too, where he was just, like, so shocked to see uh, Agnes walk through the door at the mm-hmm. ball. Um, and, you know, they're just drinking it in again, just how nice that place is. Uh but we do get like a quick exchange there when they address, address her being sad about uh, Scott, um, where uh, Treacher and, and uh, Bannister give glances at each other. <laughs> but no follow up with Miss Armstrong this episode. N- nothing going on there. Not a not a not even the tiniest thing. No, that that's left hanging. There was no comeuppance that was teased for uh, Mister Church and uh, the monster uh, from from. Um, oh yeah yeah but we'll get to that in, in, in just a little bit i think we still want to go through we can just go through marion stuff yeah because we marion's marion this this played out exactly as we thought it was going to play out yeah man turns out rake was rakes was bad news the whole time well not the whole time not, just didn't not the whole time and also i don't necessarily know that he's 100 percent bad news i just think that he's swept up in the moment sure yeah he kind of actually is like the almost the old school version of like nice white guy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, he should be like perfect for for someone. And it's like, no, no, actually, they're just as yeah, self involved really. <laughs> as anyone else. Um, yeah. So at the beginning of this episode, Marion is very much in the throes of finalizing details for her wedding to uh, to Rakes to run away with him. Chamberlain's going to help her mm-hmm. out, uh, hold her bags for her, and help escort. Yeah, Peggy's going to get the bags off site. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and Aunt, Ada, Aunt Ada catches on real quick. Yeah. She's she like, says, hey. you've been off lately. Why? Yeah. And then it, Marion is dope in this scene because mm-hmm. she, Aunt Ada says, does it have to do with Claire Barton and the Red Cross? And Marion just goes, no. Why not? She's giving you like <laughs> exactly. opportunities to get out of this. Uh, even then when she sees uh, Peggy with the bag, isn't that uh, Marion's bag? And Peggy's like, Yes, <laughs> I'm but I'm scared. borrowing it. Yeah, just borrowing it. It's just like, isn't that the bag that also had that dirty boots in it too? <laughs> you sure you it's want? Like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. 
Anita's on it, and she has this conversation with mm. this conversation with with Marion, where she just says, "Look, if you really want to marry this dude, keep bringing him around. Let him prove his worth in this city, and your aunt will come around, and that will be the dignified way to do it." And she says, "Go, you, you're gonna want to follow your pride and not your heart." And and Marion's like, "No can do, uh, Ada." Yeah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> I need I need some rakes. Uh, so we well, do cousin get the, Aurora though cam, comes in with the save. Right, we see a scene again at the opera where Fane can't stay focused on the opera. She has to turn her head and look over to the box that has Mister Rakes in it. With well, uh, she hears this this giggling going on with this uh, sissy or whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. Pem- sissy Bingaman. 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 Bingham. Bing, it's it's a Pride and Prejudice, a descendant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's Bingley. Uh, yeah, this is a big. They're they're getting awfully close though at this opera. I mean, there's no better place to to snuggle and, and get kisses in than the opera, I'd say, right? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> they're they're really feeling the moment right there. Um, but she's catching rakes red-handed, so she takes that news. And you think about it, they're going to the. It's not like a midday opera. They're gonna be going in the evening. So she, I guess, but she yeah, just, it's the night before. So she sleeps on it. I mean, yeah, and then she she goes to pay her some some visits to her cousins, mm-hmm. and this is after a very nice scene with with Ada and Marion, where Ada's Ada knows that she can't stop this, but rather than be sour about it, she just shows her love and respect for her her niece. And it's a very sweet scene. I'm glad that they. I'm glad that. That that your your favorite, your friend from Sex in the City, gets her her time <laughs> in the Nixon. sun. Cynthia, yeah, Nixon. I mean she's kind of been standing around all season, just waiting to do stuff. I mean she she's been a nice addition to the show, but definitely I feel like they kind of left you wanting if you were a Cynthia Nixon fan and you're t- turning into. Oh, her. absolutely. But at the same time, I think if it wasn't um, if it wasn't a name attached to this role, this is a very satisfying end of the season for this character, though. Yeah, because she's seen as kind of the ditzy spinster. And mm-hmm. in this whole episode, she's being a very conscious. protective motherly figure. Yeah, absolutely. And shows that this sort of soft parenting might not work, might not work. But yeah, it's but, it's effective in establishing relationships at the very least. And I love when Fane comes through with the news about Rakes, and Ada's like, "You need to get out of here. You need to go tell them at Chamberlain. Go, 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 go." <laughs> and Fane's like, "I got to go to Chamberlain's house. I don't want to do that." It's like there's there's no option. Yeah, <laughs> going. this is as bad as it could get. Uh, so she gets to Chamberlain's and she breaks the news to Marion who can't believe it. She's like, well, maybe he's like injured or well, she's waiting on him because he hasn't shown up yet, Mr. Rakes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and she's trying to tell herself, well, maybe he's injured or, or you know, dead or something. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, maybe like, he, might, he might have died. Yeah, you would have gotten a note by now. Uh, that's when Fane shows up with the news. And then Marion says, okay, all right, fine. Let's go about this. I'm going to go check on his office to see if well, he's there. Not before we get an ugly cry from Marion. Uh, She's going to earn her Emmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with those crocodile tears. Um, lets it all out. Peggy's there to, to pick her up. Peggy definitely deserves an Emmy nomination for the show, by the way. She is so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, She's fantastic. Danae Benton. Yeah, so good. Um Anyways, though, she 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 listens to Fane and she's going to. And, and it's kind of funny. Uh, I think that kind of wraps up Chamberlain for this episode. And multiple times, because uh, Chamberlain has a moment with Fane too, where she's like, 
look, I, I my, my name's been drunk through the mud. How how much worse can it get? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was okay with doing this. This is fine. It's okay that you're here. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and Marion gave her a painting of a hummingbird. And <laughs> what do you think of that painting, Dave? Not a, not a great painting. I that mean, was like it's fifth like fifth grade adjacent. <laughs> like yeah, you could find like a, a kid that's, make that. That's, that's like a, a B plus middle school art student. You just started experimenting with watercolors, and you're just painting inside but then the lines. Spent, but then your your family's really proud of that of it, so, <laughs> so they, they put they it in a really nice frame. <laughs> it's exactly this moment where you see uh, Chamberlain's like, "Oh wow, cool." Yeah. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, what was it Chamberlain? I broken rules. I don't agree with my whole life. Uh, yep, there you go. Yeah. And the uh, scene in the in Riggs' but, office is... But Faye does thank, though, Chamberlain for her kindness and silence, which kind of brings her to a closed loop on the season. Like, someone actually is appreciating Chamberlain that isn't Marion, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yes, correct. Ch- good job, Chamberlain. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Uh, so we go to Riggs' office, and he's sitting there writing. Yeah, so what was Riggs' plan here? Just, like, for Marion to figure it out on her own and show up? Because it doesn't seem like he had a plan. Just to break her heart? He had no. I don't think he had any intentions. What a loser! <laughs> Man, just come to. I don't know, you if can't really hurt someone. Just tell them. Be an adult. I don't. Yeah, I guess that's the one thing. I don't know if calling him a loser is uh, the right word because he's he's upgrading. <laughs> I I mean, anyone who can't be honest with how they feel, that's their loser in my book. I don't care how rich you may be. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, she and she, you know, this this is a real love is blind situation where Marion's like, at what point did you decide no? And then Rakes is like, I was still thinking about it up until this morning. And I, you know, well, I mean, what were you thinking? Just like how much more money you could get out of the other girl than her? How much you could rise up in society? But then, then he's like, how we really couldn't afford, we couldn't live this dream that we thought we could live. Right. Well, that's part, part of that's because your plan was, you know, off to begin with where you were just going to, do it on the low and then hope people would be okay with it and then figure it out from there. It's like, no, bro, you got to work on being accepted by the Agnes and Ada and stuff and getting their good graces. If you're really serious about it, take your time and do it right. But he ain't, he ain't looking to do it right, man. He's a fool. He's a moron. Yeah. Yeah. He, he might be. Um, I mean, who knows? Is Miss Bingham may be great, but uh, I, I think the lack of him talking to, to Marion, just being sheepish about it, whole time and then like recommitting to like being like let's get married even last week when he was like kind of in and out of the house delivering a letter they were literally walking in the park the day before and they kissed in the park mm-hmm. no i was certain that this plot line was going to be like oh watson saw them and brought it back you know somebody snitched on them but no 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 it's no. just he's just a bad boy and then he even says can we part as friends it's like who the hell are you to ask that man <laughs> mm-hmm. and she said well marion also could really this is a this is a low point in the writing in my opinion because she's like, no, we can't be friends, but we, we're not enemies because I don't like leaving things negative. It's like, shut up, Julie. This this guy <laughs> asked moment. you to marry you. <laughs> he asked to marry you, and then he just left you standing. Like, Who does that? Pieces of trash, and that's who the rakes is. He's a rakish one, if there ever was one. Uh, and then that's in right. that moment, Marion realizes, oh, no, Larry has some letters because she left an envelope with Larry to let the parents know that she was going to run away to marry uh rakes so she's got to go intercept that or else everything will go way sideways for her Mm-hmm. so she gets there to intercept it and larry's already there yeah and this is a very awkward scene where 
he's like, oh, I'm here to, you know, Marion kind of gets in and says, and no, no, that's not, those aren't for them. Mm-hmm. And Larry's like, oh, I just came to say hello and check uh, on I'll you. My way out. <laughs> and then when he leaves, he's like, hey, I did you a solid. You owe me a waltz. And Marion's like, I, I don't know if I'm feeling up to going out, but yeah, I, I could work that out. I could do that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, we'll, we'll work it out. Yeah. Uh, and they do. I mean, they 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 do get a dance, uh, but not before Mr. Rake shows up. What a clown this guy is! He shows up the same day he was going to run away to get married with Miss Bingham at this ball. And do you think maybe that changed things? This ball being like so big of a deal, he was like, you know what? You know what's better than getting married? Showing up to a ball a with party. <laughs> yeah, with someone who's a much bigger deal than Marion. Trash, man. Trash. Yeah, not good. And and I mean, I don't think this would have been an uh, event that would go unnoticed by Bertha because I feel like Bertha and Marion have a little like ladies' code going sure. on. Even though Bertha has 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 played the the money game over Marion in the the Edison thing, where he's like, "Hey, I don't have room for you, but I got room for Rakes." Mm-hmm. I think that at the end of the day, Bertha is like, "This is my girl. We work on the Red Cross together." And even last week when she asked if uh, Mr. Rakes was available, it was with the understanding that she had a connection with him to mm-hmm. you know sh- share that news. So, yeah, I don't know what Rakes was thinking, man. And all it did was just make Marion upset. Uh, you know, she she's crying and stuff. But, you know, Larry comes around. And Larry they comes around. That's right, Larry. Yeah. They're, they're, she's literally out dancing to the morning light. Yeah, she comes home and it's the day. Is literally the day, and and poor John Treacher, as we'll call him now, John, not Jack, as IMDb says. Uh, he was just waiting there for everyone to come home. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. And his plotline this episode was waiting with Bridget to see people enter the ball across the street. And yeah, s- now now they're back on cutesy terms because mm-hmm. she knows about his dead mother. Exactly. And he's like, "You think we'll be there?" She asked, "Well, you think we'll be there one day?" And he's like, "Of course." He's like, yeah, yeah. See, of course. One day we could be the kings of the city. It's like. Okay, tone down the accent. <laughs> yeah, he's just chomping on a cigar, chewing on a carrot. Uh, we'll see about tre- Treacher re- rising through the ranks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a good turnaround for Marion where it went from a terrible day to an okay day. Yeah. <laughs> still pretty, still probably in, in, in the dumps over it, but... She'll we, get over it. We all saw this coming, but... I think uh, I saw something about Jillian saying, like, really just trying to show how it's more about how Agnes, as cruel and not cruel, but like a negative, how much negative of a person she is, she can still kind of see through certain people and be, you know, kind of giving good advice, even though she may not seem like the. So you mean like the Dowager Countess? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Agnes had it right. Kudos to her. You think we'll see Rakes next year, Dave? Absolutely. I think Rakes is going to fall on his face and we're going to be put in some situation where Mary's getting a little more serious with Larry or Mary. Marion is getting a little more serious with Larry and mm. Rakes is on a redemption arc. Yeah. I think Rakes is going to wind up with a character that is important. Okay. I can see Rake. Well, not Gladys because Rake, unless Rakes comes across money. Mm-hmm. But I think this is our... Uh, this is our Ross, Demelza, Francis, and whatever. From Poldark, you mean? 
Yeah, this is our like main four that are going to be yeah doing a tango of who's for the whole show. Yeah. And stuff. So I think we've cleared out a majority <laughs> of of the big stuff, right, Dave? I mean, um, only the I believe well, the main Watson event. Watson though. Oh yeah, he just his girl shows up and he's so, like yeah, literally <laughs> Miss McNeil shows up at the ball and he's just like he's, he's just goes stiff as a board. He's stiffy, uh, <laughs> and then he just goes away. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's all. Julian just really left a lot of plot lines hanging, like for us to try and recall when we come back to the show and who knows when, whatever it is. Hey, so if you're listening to this podcast before season two plays, just know we're doing this for you. Evergreen yeah. content at the Lord to grant them. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and again, no, no follow up on the banister and church thing, except that they nod at each other at the end of the episode, like across the street. Or something. Yeah, I think, I think that there's an understanding there. There's, a, I know what you did. I'm not gonna, I'm not cashing in on it. Do you think he had anything to do with what we're about to talk about here? No, no. Oh, right, because we know how it happened. So, Monsieur Baudin, <laughs> Baudin. This is something we actually literally said maybe a, a, a potential storyline this week. We said this last week on the on the podcast. Yeah, and you, we laughed it off like that would be too silly. But it's it, is. Be- it is. It's still one of the best things that that Julian has ever. Put to, to screen. He went through. He went through with the, the the ludicrous plot line. Dave, tell me more about this Monsieur Baudin. I, this was the happiest I've been watching this whole show. Mm-hmm. I was watching this play out. So there's a letter about him, and it tur- turns out that he's he has a fake identity. And mm-hmm. I said, oh no, he's gonna he's gonna be from like. Mississippi or something I was like no 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 not quite Mississippi, Wichita, but Kansas, Wichita. <laughs> uh, he was a merchant seaman and he trained in France, uh, and then he learned no one wanted a chef from Wichita, so that's how he assumed this new identity. That's Monsieur Baudin, Josh Borden. What a great name reveal! What <laughs> everything about this was was speaking of Baudin or Borden. Chef's kiss. This was. It really explains fantastic. how hammy he was this season. You know, it almost makes me like wonder: Is Mister McAllister like a, a Southern gentleman or something like that? With the way Nathan Lane plays him, uh, mm-hmm. is there some lies there? Although that's a real, real person. Uh, but yeah, Monsieur Baudin, uh, fake accent and the whole thing. Uh, so good when he breaks down in the American accent. I was, I was. Smiling ear to ear. This is fantastic television. So, so, so the news he gives to George is that uh, his wife is pretty much trying to extort him uh, for for money because she realized he has a well paying job now. Uh, sounds sounds like we've been down this road, Julian. There's always extortion going on with Julian. Mysterious Fellows wife plots. from the past who won't divorce and wants money. Mm-hmm. Low been there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he has to come forward, or you know, because otherwise he'll get exposed. And George is on his side. He's he's telling Bertha this guy cooks really good. I like his food. He he makes a, a mean burger. Uh, can we keep the burger? Him? We, he makes I don't good know. Fro- frogs legs. Yeah, he makes some good French fries. Uh, he, it's he's a hard worker. But Bertha's like, we can't have someone from Kansas serving us. That just yes, he said. If this gets out, we'll be the talk of the town. Which would be hilarious. I mean, I would actually kind of want to be in the center of that conversation. Like, 
What were you doing with a cook from Kansas? I don't know. You tell me. Monster Pardon. Everyone's like the food. That's the thing. That's, this, that's why I hate this classism. Everyone mm. likes his food. Yeah. Either way, he gets sacked. Mm-hmm. And well, Mons- no, he, they leave amicably. Oh, right. He doesn't get fired. He, he They leave amicably. You know, he gets fired, though. Yeah. They just don't want to say he got fired because that's more controversy. So, yeah. Bertha and the, says, scene, the scene where they're like, he's, talk, he's talking in the French accent, and they said, why do you keep talking like that? And he's like, I've been this for so long. <laughs> this is just who I am. And yeah, the way it subtly, he subtly transitions to speaking like a Kansas man, like, hi there. <laughs> I'm Josh Borden. It's like, what the hell is this? But then he, the way he snaps back into the French in that same scene, it's so good. Um, but they, they uh, was it? Bertha says to, to contact the agency, they need a new chef. So they get Monsieur Charon to show up, who's Charon. legit French. Mm-hmm. And, you and can, he doesn't like the menu. Yeah. You can tell this is Julian just going in on how much he hates the French because he leans into every kind of stereotype here <laughs> within the matter of a couple minutes. This guy is mm-hmm. rude, uh, has no respect for anyone else. Um, he says that if, if, they're, if this ball starts tonight and I'm here, they're just going to eat what I serve them. Yeah. And someone says to church, like, isn't that going to be uh, upset uh, Bertha? And he's like, well, you know. We'll see how that she plays out. She made her bad. Yeah, exactly. She, she chose this. And when it comes comes time to serve the dinner, what do we see, Dave? Is the food's not coming up. He's drunk. The man is, he's, is he's a, a mess. Out. That typical Frenchman, as Julian wants us to believe. So they literally carry his body out of there, and they have to have someone summoned to help out within three to four hours. So who do they summon? And I, I'm, I was a big fan of how this played out because they didn't waste our time with, the, yeah. with it Sean. actually happening. They just show the next day. Yeah. And say, hey, Josh, you did it. And now he's dropped the accent. He's he's dropped the gimmick. He, he, it's it's totally kayfabe now, right? Mm-hmm. No, the kayfabe's dead, right? <laughs> There's no more fourth wall. He's 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 Josh Borden. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm glad to have this job here. Thank you all very much. And it's like, who the hell is this guy? He's a psycho. If someone were to show up and be working for me with one assumed identity the whole time and then be someone else, like, as much as he's a, he makes good food and stuff, it seems like they're not perturbed by the idea that this guy has just lied about his entire identity for, for so long. This dude's a crazy person. So long? It's not that long. I guess not. It's like, a, you know, maybe a matter of months. And he was trained in French. I mean, I I, I do sure. think he's deceptive, but I think it's not some uh, it's not end of the world deception. It's not ill will that he had. and we see that that Bertha succumbs to George and Josh keeps his job. I still think he's that's and, crazy though. Just to be assuming another identity and committing to the bit. Well, right. I mean, Bauden, he it doesn't really go far off of his Borden and Bauden. He just. Switches a few letters around. Yeah. I mean, who are his references? I guess he worked in France, so that explains how maybe he was able to get some. Mm-hmm. Um, but amazing way to end the season, though, with that. That that was, yeah, as Dave, as you were saying, this really was a highlight of the episode. Because <laughs> it wasn't about it was Mary. Absurd. Mary it was, yeah. It's like, you know, all the, we know about the ball is going to happen. We know the rake stuff is going to happen. And pretty much everything plays out exactly as you think it is. Even this thing, which we predicted, 
but it's still super entertaining to watch in the moment. Right. And I, I will give more credit to the ball though. It was awesome to see the way it's staged and even like here with the dresses they were wearing with the hair and makeup and stuff. That was pretty awesome. Mm. So like they really did go all out for that. You saw the money on the screen. So that, that was actually worth the wait and the, the payoff there. Um, but any loose ends or did we cover it all? I honestly think we covered it all for the most part, you know? Yeah, we see a little bit of Ward McAllister. Yeah. Just sort of proving to, he keeps talking to, to Aster, but he, he ultimately proves that he is, he's a leech. Yeah, he slipped, he slipped right through. He, he He's doing okay. So, you know, it, it is funny that if he, he was, he knew that Mrs. Aster didn't want Bertha, but he still took that, that all of these social gatherings where Bertha could have put him, put him right in front of the Edison display Mm-hmm. Yeah, she got him that snuff box or whatever for that luncheon. Yeah. And he took full advantage of the fact that she needed him more than he needed her. Yeah. That, that sounds like Mr. McAllister. <laughs> yeah. I mean, show. what what else can you say? He's uh, Nathan yeah. Lane came and earned that check. He's kind of a piece of garbage, but one other thing I noticed fine. this episode, the Fanes, uh, the, the husband and wife, they look a lot alike. It almost was like a like a Simpsons like Millhouse's parents thing to me for a second there where like why do they look more like brother and sister than, than wife and husband? If if you're watching this mm-hmm. episode again, look at the Fanes and just do a double take. Do they look related? Because they they look related. Okay, I'll have to look. That that's my that's my last uh, take on that's this. That's your last. That's the last piece of information we want to give. We'll see you next week. Yeah, and before we get to the power rankings, just a reminder to the listeners: we will be just talking about the season as a whole next week in a little casual conversation involving our power rankings yeah the end of season power rankings where we tally up all the scores throughout the season to see how things land uh but we got to get through this round of uh power rankings for episode nine well how was this finale good bad middle it was good it was good it was good it was a fantastic finale that's teeing up another season i was thankful that was an hour it was, it was a solid yes hour. it was it was an hour 10 but the hbo did the thing with the little featurette at the end mm-hmm so yeah. I was glad that was not a real hour 10. Not that I would have been mad because we were predicting 90 minutes. My, my HBO Max told me it was an hour, so I didn't even anticipate any more than that. So oh, okay. All right. I got the special HBO Max with the there built-in bonus features. <laughs> Ultra Max. Uh, well, Dave, you want to kick off the rankings, man? Who is going down for you? Well, number three going down, I got Marion. Okay. Because, you know, maybe she has a good night, but her whole season has been... Going off of faith, regardless of how many people told her, go easy with this rakes fella. She said, no, no, I'm marrying for love. Even Chamberlain, who's this woman who threw away her entire reputation based on love. And then it winds up, everyone's right. Yeah. She's wrong. That is true. So Larry's there, but at what cost? For sure. Yeah, I struggled with these this uh, week because there's a lot of people who were candidates for going down. And uh, number three, though, it had to be Monsieur Baden. The the man okay. literally had to just destroy his entire character that he persona that he built over time. You know that he couldn't even break out of talking like the the, the Frenchman Baden. So you know he got exposed. He was shamed. Rest in peace, Monsieur Baden. Okay. Yeah. Well, number two. I got Miss Astor. Okay. This is a this is a bad week because the whole season we've been told that she is the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And we learn that Ward is just a guy who's 
playing with her chips. Yeah. He's been making all these bets with her chips, knowing that he never has to pay them those debts back. But then this week, Bertha puffs up her chest. She says, "No, no, no, no. Your daughter. I, I know. I know my way to to win back my hand. After all, I get with your boy Ward, and Aster has to sacrifice a lot of social standing. We saw that Aurora in the you know earlier in the season when George basically strong armed the Fanes into being on the good graces of the Russells." how much sacrifice that was for her. Mm-hmm. And now, now we see the queen of the city is in the same situation. It's whew, big L, big L. Yeah. T- tough times for Aster having to, you know, get on the level of, of Bertha. Uh, so yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see how that turns out though, but I didn't think it, uh, her week was quite as bad as Mr. Scott's. Uh, that guy is pretty much the odd man out in his family. You know, he betrayed his daughter with hiding the the child essentially betrayed his wife too. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't see how he comes back from that. That that is rough stuff for him. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, on, sorry. Mr. Similarly Scott. speaking, my number one going down is Peggy. Okay. The baby's alive. She's been living yeah. a lie. That's tough. This is huge. This is the kind of revelation that holy and she doesn't know where it is and her father won't help her and her father says the baby's well adjusted. Mm-hmm. If we've seen anything from Julian, he loves a custody battle involving an adopted family. Yeah. And we know how that played out in Downton Abbey, and this is HBO money we're playing with. So I don't think Peggy's going to have a really difficult ride next season, and this is a really sad ending for her. That uh, Unfortunate. Good that the baby's alive, bad that the family's now broken, and bad now that she has to go do through all this work to get her yeah. child back. Well, number one for me going down, it's a tie, actually. It's both Rakes and Marion together, the tag team mm-hmm. of them. It, 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 they, it's just so much time spent on this this season when we saw what was coming. And then, oh, my gosh, the way it just wrapped up. Rakes doesn't look good. Marion's unhappy. As she says, he's someone I just used to know. <laughs> like, literally, mm-hmm. Julian must have thought he was so clever. It's like, Julian, that was a hit song about 10 years ago. That was the number one song of the year. Somebody, just, he, I, somebody I used to know, he literally said the exact lyric from the, the song. It's like... Great job there, Julian. I, so I couldn't can't put Rakes that far down when he's got, you know, a, a better meal ticket. Like I was saying earlier, it's all about character, and this guy has none. He's a piece of trash. Well, I mean, I've been saying this whole season he's a stinker of an actor, so it's fine. He's British. I mean, trying to play American. That would be the best reveal if we find out he's actually British. <laughs> that just, just Julian just recycles the plots within the same. Every show. character who's not based on a historical figure on the show is actually a different <laughs> nationality. <laughs> They're just hiding something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, who's going up for you? So on that note, I got number three, I got Josh Borden. Monsieur Bar- <laughs> Barden is dead. Josh Borden lives. This guy's got a job. He can be himself. Uh, he saved the day with the, the dinner. Kudos to Josh Borden for coming through. I got I got Josh at number three, too. Right? <laughs> it's huge. Uh, I didn't realize Josh was the 1800s name either. Maybe that's my, me just being ignorant, but a <laughs> hell of a name. Joshy. Sure. All right, Josh. Josh. I hope to see well, more of him next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope he has like a character struggle. Like he's bipolar. <laughs> and, and he like wakes up as Bauden sometimes and he's talking to people as Bauden. And they're like, no, 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 Josh, we know. Yeah, we, we know, know who you are. You don't need to do. Oh. We. Well, number two, I got Gladys. She didn't do much this episode, but the ball it's happened. It's all about Gladys. Yeah. I mean, it's her moment. Everyone's got eyes on her. She she's the belle of the ball. 
So kudos to Gladys. Gladys. Okay. And number two, I got Aunt Ada. Okay. She this this whole season she's been lurking and lurking and lurking and lurking. We're waiting yeah. for her to make her move. And this week she makes the all the moves. She figures everything out immediately. Mm. She susses everything out and she saves Marion. A whole lo- load of embarrassment. Yeah. By, and she's and she's she does so ruthlessly. Like Fane is like, I'm not going to Chamberlain. She says, Yeah, you better go. Let's go. You gotta go. Get this done. This is a family affair. And yeah. you're in the family, Aurora. Well so, she yeah, those are all valid points. She was a bit more of a background player, I thought, this week, even though she was supporting a lot. But I had to put Bertha at number one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you said that that Gladys is the belle of the ball. George literally says to Bertha, you're the belle of the ball. <laughs> that, that, that is fair. Um, she flexed her muscle and made things happen. You know, Miss Astor showing up is huge. This is forever going to change their, their standing there in society. This is all that she wanted after all season. And she got it, so she got it. Kudos to Bertha for making it happen. And yeah, and and I think if she's anything like her husband, she's going to be coming for those scalps that that threw her under the bus leading up to this point. We'll see. That that'd be fascinating. <laughs> I feel I feel like I think that that Ward McAllister gets off easy in this episode. Sure. Yeah, he does. Uh, I mean, because yeah. I thought there would be some come up. It's for him forcing her through where the, the pigs and the animals were last week, but mm-hmm. that no was there's too much that. time spent on that for it not to get some pay sure. back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we're going to talk again about Gilded Age next week. Um, Patreon subscribers. Some predictions for season two. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Patreon subscribers, we're going to record an episode after this uh, about another show that Dave and I watched in full for a season. Love is Blind Season 2. There's been a lot of people talking about it. We, we're finally getting to it, and we're excited to dig in on it. But, uh... Yeah. Dave, have you been watching anything else? Not, not really. I mean, it's one of those things that I keep saying, like, oh, what have I been watching this week? Have I watched anything good this week? And it's like, oh, no, I watched, like, 11 hours of Love is Blind. So it's not like I didn't watch anything. Yeah. Excited to get to that. <laughs> so if listeners want to hear us talk about 11 hours of Love is Blind, just tune in. Uh, I think we can leave it there. I got nothing else to talk about. Yeah. we. I mean, it's done. The we're, season's we're, over. Yeah, we're glad for all of you that stuck around listening to us uh, through this season. We appreciate that so much. We noticed that there's been a lot more people tuning in uh, during the Gilded Age, and we hope you uh, join us next time when the show comes back and listen next week as we continue to talk about the Gilded Age just a little bit more. Yeah. And if you know if you're a fan of the period dramas and you like what we're covering and you have some suggestions, feel free to reach out with us, to us on any social media. We'd love to hear from you. And you know we've been a huge fan of all these new Gilded Age listeners who have been very supportive of our work. And if there's anything you if you like what we're doing and you want something else from us, let us know because we're very open to suggestions. Absolutely. We'll catch you next time on the pod. Yeah.